Blog Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding. The world is going to know it. We rock it like you're never going to see us again. Fabulous, sir. How is everything over there in the great Garden State? Ah, couldn't be better. Couldn't be better, sir. We have a lot to cover tonight, so uh, why don't you give out some information and let's get this show on the road. Folks, as always, if you'd like to be a part of our show, check it out, puregoldpg.com. You know, of course, our call number is 646-478-5573 and a bunch of other things that nobody cares about. JB, take us away. What about the new Twitter handle before we get started? Oh, uh, if you'd like to follow me on the Twitter, because I don't have enough followers for sure, it's the actual right. handle is DG of PG. Literally, that's it. DG of PG. Yeah, I mean, all I can say is that you probably have more followers than CMB, the afternoon drive on WFAN, and that's going to be definitely one of the hot topics for tonight. If you know what I mean? Oh, I'm sure. Of course, it's going to be a wonderful topic because that's you. You're obsessed over that, so let's get that going. <laughs> so, I, I, on the docket, I have tonight uh, talk about some. Uh, obviously, we're losers, so we still talk about the WWE, even though we hate it. We'll talk about um, the newcomer to the women's division. We'll talk about the pay-per-view that's coming up this Sunday, and we'll also mention a couple other nuggets along the way. We got some baseball talk because spring training is underway. Pitchers and catchers have reported, as well as position players this past week. And we'll get into, like I said, about WFAN. We'll, we'll talk about NFL. This, the Super Bowl was about two weeks ago, and uh, the season has wrapped up. But we'll, we'll talk about some hot stove. We'll get some, uh, some of your takes on my take on the Jets and Giants offseason. And then we will get into uh, anything else that we want to discuss. But uh, before we do that, sir, we will take a quick break, and we'll be back with our first topic. Hi, this is Brittany Bell, Miss Arizona USA 2010. Make sure you tune in to Pure Gold each week to hear the best interviews and live talk radio. David and Joe are simply the best. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. This is actor Anthony Tyler Quinn. You may remember me as Mr. Turner from Boy Meets World, among many other roles. Make sure to listen in to Pure Gold every week for some of the best talk radio around. What's up, everyone? This is Bright Lights Jared Foster, the man of a thousand bulbs and Mr. Entertainment himself. A reoccurring guest, nonetheless, on Pure Gold Radio. And what I want you to do is check out my friends, Dave and Joe, as they deliver nonstop entertainment week after week with amazing guests discussing everything from wrestling and sports to entertainment. You name it, it's talked about, and it's only talked about in one place. Pure Gold Radio, and you can find them at puregoldpg.com. That's puregoldpg.com. And hopefully, 
hopefully in a couple of weeks we will have a guest or two on the show again. So we'll get back to that. But uh, as well, Derek let me just say, said, sir, as, as yeah, I'm sitting yeah. here cracking up, only only you would think, hey, you know what we need to do to start the show? We need to take a break. We haven't had a show in six weeks, so the first thing we're going to do after we introduce the show is take a break. That made sense. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. When you have no listeners and you're in control of the board up, you can do anything you wish. So yeah, no, anyway. that's true. But that you realize that that makes no sense, right? You realize that if you were producer of a show, you'd be fired. You realize that if you were Brian Monzo, you'd be gone. Out of here. Bye, bye, Benito. What do you mean you don't agree with me? Do you know who you're dealing? Anyway. So, so this is this is your thing now. You're just gonna incessantly play these stupid clips at at the most inappropriate and inopportune time ever. Oh, you know, you know it. Um, but anyway, as as Bright Light said, we I, I want to get into first uh, the WWE talk because I want to get the entertainment, the sports entertainment out of the way. And the reason why I picked Bright Light's Jared Foster is is because the newest inductee to the WWE Hall of Fame happens to be Jeff Jarrett. So Jared Foster, you know, Jeff Jarrett. Give me your take. You think it's? I, I know you yeah, told me so that hell has frozen over uh, because there was a, a rift between Jeff Jarrett and the WWE, specifically Vince McMahon. So are are you really that shocked that Jeff Jarrett is now the newest inductee to this year's Hall of Fame? Well, for those of you who don't know, and uh, clearly my partner doesn't know, uh, back in 1999, Jeff Jarrett actually, the interesting thing, he was the intercontinental champion, and he was in a feud with China at the time. His contract ran out at a pay-per-view. It was in October, October 21st, if I'm not mistaken. It was a No Mercy pay-per-view, one of those pay-per-views, and uh, he was supposed to fight China. Now, I think his contract expired the Saturday, the day before the pay-per-view. He held them up for I don't know how much. I believe the rumors are that it was like $100,000 just to drop the title to China, and if not, he wasn't even going to show up at the pay-per-view. So Vince forked over the cash, paid him, and then, you know, after that, Jeff Jarrett left, went to WCW, became like a 75-time World Heavyweight Champion, and the rest is history. So we all know Vince has grudges and stuff against people, but I thought to myself, you know what, the fact that this happened, this has to be Triple H. It's got to be the man with three H's, and it turns out that from everything I've read, it was Triple H. He's the reason that this is happening, because he pushed for it, and I tell you, Vince is good at burning down bridges and uh you know triple h is good at, at, at fixing them i tell you one thing i respect about him you can say whatever you want people talk about him burying folks and the golden shovel and everything else uh, but the fact is that triple h was able to mend fences to bring bruno sammartino into the hall of fame and you all know that that was a huge huge problem bruno had a big problem with the wwf aka the wwe He's in the Hall of Fame. You know, um, Goldberg is back in the WWE. Good Grace is going to be in the Hall of Fame inducted this year, ironically. Another one that Triple H, and they had problems personally. Triple H was able to fix that. And he, he this guy just mends fences like nobody else. And I don't know how that is or whatever, but, man, I tell you, you know, kudos to him. I, I do think Jeff is a Hall of Famer. I think he's worthy. I don't think he's Coco Beware status, but he had, he's had a hell of a career. It just surprises me. The timing of it surprises me. I could have seen Jeff in the Hall of Fame five, ten years from now, but just surprised me it was this soon. Is, is there any coincidence that the reason why he might have been inducted this year is because he um, failed miserably with TNA and uh, he had no money? I mean, think about it this way. If, if he's running TNA right now, he's probably not going to be inducted this year. Well, that's, that's true. But what's interesting, what I find fascinating actually is the fact that um, – 
So Jeff is in the Hall of Fame. He's in the TNA Hall of Fame, and now he's going to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. The Dudleys uh, are in the TNA Hall of Fame. They're going to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, Sting, TNA Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame. Kurt Angle, same thing. So basically everybody that was inducted into the TNA Hall of Fame is now in the WWE Hall of Fame, except for Gail Kim, and she hates the WWE. Is that the whole other story? Gail Kim, I mean... Well, I, I believe uh, some pictures have uh, surfaced on the internet about Gail Kim as I uh, was on the internet today. I, I don't want to know about that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind then. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, Jeff Jarrett is the newest inductee, and Goldberg leads the class. We didn't really have a show since uh, um, probably since they started inducting for this year. So Goldberg is a, a, is a given. I believe Ivory is in it and the Dudleys. Are you – Surprised by any of those picks, uh, Ivory? I guess Ivory is the only one that is, to me, wishy-washy. Uh, I mean, she had a hell of a, you know, but you realize that Ivory's not going in just based on the fact that she was WWE diva for X amount of years. Uh, she had an amazing career before this. She was the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. She started out there. She is the first, if I'm not mistaken, the first woman to be inducted into the Glow Hall of Fame and the WWE Hall of Fame. So that's kind of a big deal for her. And she she was a good wrestler. She really was was talented. You know, uh, I forget her real name. I think it's Lisa Moretti or something. Moretti is her last name. But anyway, so Ivory's in. She was a heck of a performer, and that that doesn't surprise me. You know, China's not in. I guess at some point they're going to bring her in, but her her the way she died, you know. Under mysterious circumstances, shall we say, probably doesn't help her cause, but I think at some point you got to put her in. So you know, we'll see when, when, and if that happens. I, um, I look at the Dudleys and I think that they're definitely Hall of Famers. They're worthy of being Hall, hall of Famers. They're as talented as can be. One of the greatest tag teams of all time. I think Goldberg is a Hall of Famer. I mean, he, he for the short career that he had, an amazing impact. I, I'm not going to compare the two in this respect because obviously Sandy Koufax is one of the greatest pitches of all time. But Sandy Koufax had a relatively short career in terms of dominance versus other guys, you know, but he was the best in, in the business in the time that he was there. And not to say Goldberg is the best in the business, but he did dominate the sport in a, in a short period. Um, he had a great run in WCW. His second run in WWE was, was better than his first. But, I mean, for somebody who made an impact, I think Goldberg is up there too. So, to me, this this is a great – so far, this class has been great from top to bottom. Everybody that they've inducted – or that they're going to induct, excuse me, is a great, it, to me, is a good choice. And there's no questionable, there's no like, oh, they're they're putting, you know, you know, Bacigaluba, you know, McGillicuddy. They're all legitimate Hall of Famers, I think. No, I agree with you. And Goldberg leading the classes is really cool. Um, but, you know, like you said, like, I, I guess there's no rhyme or reason to who gets inducted when they get inducted because Jeff, like you said, could have yeah. been inducted five years Clearly ago. there's no rhyme or reason. You know, Edge, Edge got injured. They inducted him that same year. That, to me, is still ridiculous. There's The problem with the WWE Hall of Fame is there's no sort of uh, criteria. So literally any jack wagon can get in there, and I think that's the real problem. It's just kind of like patting themselves on the back. But I like the Bruno Sammartinos. I like these stories like with Jeff Jarrett where clearly some – the, the Ultimate Warrior is another great example of offenses that had to be mended. guy you never thought would be in the WWE Hall of Fame, you know, but he's there. Fortunately, he passed away right afterwards, but – which is crazy. I remember we were on the air doing the show, and he passed away, and that was a big – the pyro was on with us. I'm sure pyro's, you know, who knows where he is right now. But – you look at these guys, and it just random dude in the Hall of Fame, and that's always bothered me. But all things considered, I mean, 
Goldberg, all these all these people deserve to be in there. I'd say the Dudleys have the most Hall of Fame worthy career out of everybody. But man, Jeff Jarrett, you know, all these people. I agree with you. Jarrett's not in there if he's still running TNA or GFW or whatever it's called. Yeah, and let me ask you this: um, the the fact that they um, you know lead you up to WrestleMania with these inductees, um, do you do you find it any? Do you think it's uh, weird that they don't tell you who's going to be inducted these people and you have to find out the night of? I don't think that many people actually end up watching the Hall of Fame unless you're there live, but do, do you like to, I'd like to know who's inducting these people. That's something that's curious to me. Well, I do think that they, they usually tell you in advance that, you know, that so-and-so is inducting. I think a lot of times they don't know who's going to be inducting, so that's why they don't do it. But, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see who does it. I've heard Paul Hammond may do Goldberg, which would be kind of weird. I think Eric Bischoff should do Goldberg, but that's just me. No, I agree with that, too. Um, so, yeah, the, as and the, the the reason why we're on the WWE topic and um, I wanted to bring up the Hall of Fame is because we are obviously, uh, since the Royal Rumble, which was a, a couple weeks ago, or more than about a month ago now, uh, we're on the road to WrestleMania, and, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Royal Rumble on the show, uh, live, so uh, you know we had two winners. He had the first ever women's Royal Rumble, which Oscar uh, ended up winning. Um, the match itself, to be honest with you, was not the greatest match. It was cool that it was the first time ever, um, and then you know to be, I, I think to be overshadowed by the fact that Ronda Rousey now is in the WWE. So let's 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 get your take on that first. Uh, what, what do you think of the Royal Rumble itself, the women's Royal Rumble, and then Ronda Rousey showing up at the end? All right, now I felt I felt kind of uh, kind of bad, but you start seeing all these different things, and I think the problem. With, let, let me just back up for a second. I think the problem yeah. with women's wrestling is a big one. Women's the women's revolution. I think it's a huge problem. Do I think it's long overdue? Of course, that's not the point. But to me, the point is, I think that if you don't praise everything that's done, you come across sounding like a heel. You come across sounding like a like a jerk. You come across like sounding like somebody who's bitter, sexist, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. But the fact of the matter is that making history just for the sake of making history, it's, it's kind of lame. Now, for example, the Royal Rumble match. You you, you watched the Women's Royal Rumble, right? Of course I did. I watched all the papers. Right. Well, that's yeah. that's not the question. The question is you watched the Women's Royal Rumble. I watched the entire I Women's did. Royal Rumble. It was entertaining. I enjoyed it. The main reason I enjoyed it was because of the the, the comebacks. No other reason. The wrestling was – and here's where the sexism comes in, and this is my personal opinion. I believe this with all my heart. It was a sloppy match. It was a, not a good match. It was downright terrible. I mean, first of all, the, the there was a part in the in the match where Sasha's kicking Lita in the corner, and you can see there's a point where Sasha basically – you know what I'm talking about? Sasha yeah, didn't uh, even connect on some of her kicks. She just was like – you could tell she's just slowing down, getting lazy. Lita look, did not look good. A lot of these women did not look good. They did not look like they belonged in the ring. I'm surprised they were able to get them over the top rope. It was it was an incredibly sloppy match. There and I, and I found this to be a lot. As much as I like Sasha, as much as I like some of these women's wrestlers, I feel like a lot of their matches are sloppy. There's a lot of botches, a lot more botches on average in a women's match than a men's match. Not saying the women can't go, but let, let's call a spade a spade here. The ending of the match with Asuka and Nikki Bella was the worst ending one of the worst endings I've ever seen to a Royal Rumble match. The way that it looked like Asuka tripped and she hit Nikki and then Nikki fell off the apron. There was no, there was, it was very anticlimactic. There was no sort of like, oh, wow, this is amazing. 
it just wasn't good to me. It was was not a good ending. It was very, very sloppy. I, I did not like it. And again, all oh, you know, women's history and women's this and women's that. That's all great. But at the end of the day, if you can't be honest, then then what's historic about it? I realized that the reason they put it on at the end was because of Ronda Rousey. Um, so, you know, that, that whole thing and Oscar was winning. So Oscar was a foregone conclusion, which to me kind of killed it. Give me your take on it, sir, before I go any further. Well, as you said, uh, coming off as potentially being the, uh, being sexist and, and ripping the women, um, they, I mean, honestly, the, the Royal Rumble match was a slot fest. Like you said, it was more of a spot fest of who was going to actually show up from the, um, the past. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, like you said, call a spade a spade. I mean, women have put on really decent matches when it's one-on-one or even tag team matches. I just thought the Royal Rumble was sloppy uh, from start to finish, like you said. Um, and I, I don't know, again, you might sound coming off a of sexist. I might come off sounding as semi-racist, but I, I don't understand why what's the, fatua- the infatuation with Asuka and Shinsuke. And I know that they're both great wrestlers, technical wrestlers, but they're probably god awful on the mic and um I, I don't know I, i'm not picking i wouldn't have picked them to to main event wrestlemania uh, that's that's my take sir is that i just don't think they're 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 marketable i mean i, I don't think that you know between now and april for april 8th uh it's going to be like a crawl to see aj styles oh, I, I think he'll end up by the way uh, winning the title defending the title uh at the next his next pay-per-view but uh shinsuke aj is a great match I just think the lead up to it is going to be horrible, and so far, I am. Well, been let me cut you off there. there. There's no, there's no way that uh, Shinsuke is not leaving with the title. That's the first thing, and the second thing is, from what I've been reading, the build up has been horrible because apparently, and I don't watch SmackDown all the time. You know, I keep up with it, I read it, but apparently, Shinsuke hasn't been on the show in two weeks. How, how do you have a guy win the Royal Rumble and not have him on your show every week? From what I've read with SmackDown, the problem is that they focus on, you know. KO, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, and, and Shane McMahon, which is a whole other story. But they're kind of ignoring these people. AJ, you're a WWE champion, the face that runs the place, the champ that runs the camp. He was off the off the show last week, I think. Two weeks in a row, no Shinsuke. That makes no sense. I understand what you're saying. Shinsuke can't speak English. Asuka, who's ready for Asuka? My wife doesn't like her, by the way, so I just thought that was I thought that was interesting because you don't like her. My wife doesn't like her. I think she's a good technical wrestler. I've seen her do some stuff in the ring. I don't like the fact that it's a foregone conclusion she was going to win. Apparently, she's going to be wrestling Charlotte for the uh, for the title, which she's going to beat Charlotte. There's no act to me. There's nothing there to say. Wow, this is interesting. It's very anticlimactic. The same way that it's anticlimactic that you know Roman Reigns is going to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania for the title, and this, they've been building this up for an entire year. To me, that kills the whole thing. It kills the interest, and it makes it boring. That's why I like the Shinsuke Asia match because at the very least, they're giving fans a bone, saying, "Hey, this is going to be a great technical match. Here you go." Um, but as far as the whole Ronda Rousey thing. Now, I've been trying to be, if you hear all this ranting, you would think that I'm not, but I've been trying to be more positive with wrestling. I think that you and I tend to be negative. I think wrestling fans in general tend to be incredibly negative. I think they tend to make, you know, bad decisions, shall we say. They they rag on everything. They hate everything. They get mad at everything. So we're kind of negative Nellies, as it were. Um, but my point being that, I'm trying to be positive, right? So let me be positive for a second here. One of the things that the WWE has always done well, and one of the things that wrestling in general has done well, but specifically Vince and his crew, 
wrestling, if you really think about it, it's all about moments. It's those moments where you mark out. It's those moments like, you know, when The Rock came back in 2011 after being gone for seven years and he was the host of WrestleMania. Fans went nuts over that. It's those moments like, you know, Hulk Hogan came out to defend Eugene against Muhammad Hassan and, you know, Davari. You know, it's... uh, it's Hogan coming back, WrestleMania 18, you know, with the whole thing with uh, with him and uh, and The Rock and him coming back. And, you know, th- there's moments, Bret Hart coming back after being gone from the WWE for so many years. There's just certain moments. CM Punk beating John Cena in 2011 for the title uh, at, I think it was the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in Chicago. There's just certain things, certain times in history where it's like, wow, I remember this. And this is an unfortunate one, but Chris Benoit winning WrestleMania 20, I know that he doesn't exist anymore according to the WWE, but he when he run, won WrestleMania 20 and him and Eddie embracing in the middle of the ring, that was an iconic moment in the history of wrestling. And wrestling is full of those moments. I'm not going to put Ronda Rousey coming out on that level, but the fact is that it was a moment. It was a big moment. It was the type of thing to say, oh my gosh, Ronda Rousey is here. Ronda Rousey, the thing that people don't understand, the thing that bothers me, and I don't know if this is a work or not, but I remember I've seen Sasha complain about I've seen Nia Jax complain about it. I've seen Nikki Bella complain about it. A bunch of these women complain about it. If if it, their feelings are real and it's not a work, what they don't get is that Ronda moves the meter. They don't. And that's the thing you have to remember. Women in general in wrestling do not move the meter. Yes, people like Oscar. Yes, people love Charlotte. Yes, they think all these women are great, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is that they're not bringing in millions of viewers. A woman's main event is not bringing in money. Hate to say it, don't want to sound sexist, but that's a fact. Ronda Rousey brings in eyeballs. Ronda Rousey is a person that most people know. Most people in the realm of sports know who Ronda Rousey is. Nobody outside of wrestling knows who Sasha Banks is. Nobody outside of wrestling knows who Charlotte Flair is, except for maybe, oh, that's Ric Flair's daughter. Nobody outside of wrestling knows who Alexa Bliss is. Hell, half the people in wrestling don't know who Alexa Bliss is. Asuka, another one. My point is that you need to bring in people, you need to bring in fans, you need to get attention. The buzz that they got from Ronda Rousey is worth more than 10 women's Royal Rumbles. Why? Because they don't move the meter. Ronda does. And I think that once she starts wrestling and she comes up to WrestleMania, uh, the Elimination Chamber, all these different pay-per-views she's going to be on, and when she starts appearing on Raw, I think people are going to tune in just to see what she's doing, because there was a time where she was it. They talked about her all the time on TV, and that's the thing about wrestling is that people come complain and they say, oh man, um, you know, so-and-so's back, this part-timer's back. They they make things happen and people tune in. you telling me if The Rock came back tomorrow and said, I'm going to wrestle full-time in the WWE, tell me the ratings wouldn't go up a point or two every week. Tell me that you wouldn't go from a 2.5 to a, to a 4 if if The Rock was out every week. You know, it, you know it would because that's the kind of impact that he makes. And Ronda Rousey is the type of person that could make an impact. So to me, all these people need to shut up, know their role, shut their mouths, and realize that. It's not about you because nobody cares about you except your fans. You need to bring more eyeballs to the product, and Ronda Rousey does what no other woman in wrestling does, and that's a fact, sir. So is Ronda Rousey going to be a full-time wrestler? Because she looks to me she like said, She Lesnar. said she's, she's going to be a full-time wrestler. No. No, she said I, she's filming a movie right now, but she said that she's in it full time. She wants to do this full time, and she seems so genuinely excited about it. That's what makes me interested because I didn't like Ronda as a fighter, just so, which oddly enough I didn't like Brock as a fighter. I love him in the WWE, but hated him in the UFC, and it's kind of the same thing with Ronda. But to me, I look at her and I say she's somebody who has a passion for the business. She loves wrestling, is a huge fan, and I think hell, her nickname comes from Rowdy Roddy Piper, who she was a big fan of, who she grew up idolizing, and the jacket that she wears 
Bears is a jacket that Roddy's son gave to her. So that's with with Roddy's blessing, that's the whole Rowdy Ronda Rousey. So to me, I think she's going to be a big hit, and I think she's going to be good. Plus, she has she does have a wrestling background, so I think she's going to be really good. You know what's interesting? I mean, okay, we'll see about Ronda Rousey. I mean, I'm not going to make any judgments uh, when when we see her finally in the ring. But the, the the thing that I'm hearing, and tell me if this is wrong, but I'm hearing that her first match will be against Stephanie McMahon. Well, if that's if that's the case, I think that's going to be bad. Um, I I don't like it, but but it, people are complaining that she's going to take someone's spot away. She's if she's wrestling Stephanie, she's not taking anybody's spot away. So that's what people need to chill out and relax. If it's going to be Triple H and Stephanie against Ronda and a partner, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I don't think that should be her first match, but it's a wrestling pay-per-view. It's a way to hide her. You know, she's it's a WrestleMania. I mean, it's a way to hide her. It's a tag team match. So I think that they're going to bring her along slowly, but I do think that she's going to make an impact. She'll probably be undefeated for a long time, and she may be the one to who's, to show that she's ready for Asuka. <laughs> I mean, the match I would love to see is, uh, is Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax. I think those are the two top women, to be honest with you, in, in the division. I mean, Charlotte, not 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 taking anything away from Charlotte Flair, but I think I'd want to see Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. Yeah. <laughs> not you. you. Of all people, you, right? Nia Jax. You're like, yeah, you know, I think it would be great her and Alicia Fox. I think they'd be the greatest women's match of all time. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm not a fan of Nia Jax, but um, she's a rock's cousin, so she'll probably get the title eventually. From what I'm hearing, it's going to be Nia against Alexa for the title at Barf, and then Charlotte and Asuka to prove that no one's ready for Asuka, and then Ronda and Stephanie. And if that's the case, you know, from what I read was that they're using Ronda to, like, push – uh, Stephanie, which to me is just bad. If that's the case, that's just bad on the WWE's part. But, you know, what are you going to do? It is the WWE. And it's all about the McMahons. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about, because um, I was talking to my friend uh, off the air last week about um, Shinsuke and Asuka. What's interesting is it's the same company, and the reason why I say that it's the same company is because I loved both Asuka and Shinsuke when they were both in NXT because the way they marketed them was that they weren't really on the mic much, and nobody really on NXT is on the mic. The way that, that they get over is through matches. And if you watch some right. of the matches that they put on in NXT, you would be floored about the, the talent that these two actually have. And what's interesting is, that, like I said, it's the same company. So when they come to the big leagues, SmackDown and Raw, they they just absolutely the matches absolutely suck. So that that's what. Well, I think the problem, because, Joe. I think. Excuse me, JB. I think the problem that we have in wrestling is that you, it's not the same vision. Vince is kind of running the big time. Triple H is doing the smaller stuff. The stuff that Triple H is in charge of, the Cruiserweight Classic, NXT, that's the stuff that really gets the fans, you know, all hot and bothered. That's the stuff. That even I've heard that 205 Live is a much better show now because Triple H is in full control of that show. And little by little, I think he's going to take over. And people can say whatever they want. They can knock Triple H. And I'm not a Triple H apologist. I'm just saying the man knows the business. The man knows wrestling. The man knows what's interesting. And to me, I think that if he gets more control, creative control in the in Raw and SmackDown, I think what they should do is give him SmackDown. Let him run SmackDown. SmackDown is head and shoulders way below Raw, and they, they skip stars, and they have all this garbage going on. Let Triple H run it. You know, make Bobby Roode front and center. Make Shinsuke front and center. Make AJ front and center. You know, push Owens and Zayn into the main event, but against these guys, not against Daniel Bryan and, you know, Shane McMahon. 
So I think that it is interesting, but you realize, though, don't you, that nobody comes up to, from NXT and is good. That that seems to be the curse. There's not a guy I can think of who came up from NXT and, and is done well. I think Bobby Roode is starting to make a name for himself. Yeah, he's a U.S. champion, but come on, really? I mean, you give know, him time. I think he'll be a world champion soon. I really do. I think him against AJ down the line, maybe at SummerSlam Survivor Series, I can see Bobby Roode actually carrying the title for a while. I I hope. I mean, I would love to see another XTNA guy, you know. And that's I love Bobby Roode, but I never thought he'd be in the WWE. I love AJ Styles. Never thought he'd be in the WWE. And now, really, AJ Styles is synonymous with the WWE. And that guy, you know, if there was such a thing, AJ Styles, first bout Hall of Famer, to me, he's going to cement his legacy, going to be one of the top ten in-ring performers of all time, you know, he, honestly, I think he's up there. He's not Shawn Michaels, but he's damn close, and he's amazing. To me, him, Jericho, Michaels, like, these are the best of the best, and I, it just amazes me, you know. I mean, Eddie Guerrero could be up there, too. There's so many guys who really, you know, there, there's so many guys who wrestled, but so few who are at that level. So, anyway, to me, it's just going to be amazing, sir. So, I look at this whole thing, and I think, you know, I don't want to see Roman and, and uh, Brock, but what can you do? Side note, I got to say, little sidebar here. You were talking about this amazing performance by Seth Rollins you, on Monday. You called his match against John Cena, you know, match of the year candidate. I thought it was good. Didn't think it was great. I've never been a Seth Rollins fan. I don't like anyone in the Shield, as a matter of fact. But if I had to pick one, it would be Seth because he is the most talented. Um, he doesn't look like a hobo, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, and he doesn't look like a – total D-bag, which would be Roman Reigns, and it's been shoved down our throats. It was a good performance, no doubt. I don't know about greatest of all time. What I find funny is that they were making this big deal about how it was the longest continuous match, you know, in, like, wrestling and in WWE, and he wrestled for the longest continuous match in history of the WWE, which supposedly surpassed Rey Mysterio in the Rumble. But it really wasn't a continuous match because there was a break between the end of the Roman Reigns match and the beginning of the John Cena match. And technically, the gauntlet matches keep running, but it's like separate matches in one. So I don't see how that works because, honestly, Seth had like a good five minutes in between those two matches, but that's neither here nor there, sir. I, no, I agree with you. That I, I'm not even the funny, the funny meme, or the, I think that's how you pronounce it, M E M E, that I saw uh, after uh, Monday Night Raw was that um, the combined time that Brock Lesnar has been on on TV was less than the amount of time that uh, Seth Rollins actually wrestled on Monday, which was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of time he's put into all his matches this year was less than Seth Rollins' match on Monday. Yeah. So I thought it was a good match. I mean, again, Seth had fought, um, you know, Roman Reigns before that, and then to put on, I thought, uh, for, so so far, one of the match of the years between him and, and John Cena, I thought it was a good match, only because uh, the reason why I consider good matches nowadays is not because of the technical stuff and all that. It's the drama, because they were kicking out of moves that you think the match would be over with, and that's what, to me, nowadays makes a good match, when you think the match is over, but the guy kicks out. That's what, to me, it's like, oh, my God, he kicks out, and but the match continues. But don't you think, don't you think though, that they've, they've gotten to a point where they've undervalued the finishing move where everybody kicks out of everything, and they've seen that they're, they're regularly, there was a time where nobody kicked out of the AA, and now everybody kicks out of the AA, and Cena's going to do the super attitude adjustment. He's going to hit these other moves because he can't even finish the match. So to me, like, you're killing the, the finishing move like that. 
And I, I don't even want to get because we got we're already like halfway through the show. I don't want to even get through the, the chamber. Like you said, what they're trying to do is push down uh, Roman Reigns down our throats to have Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. And you know we have other shows that we could discuss uh, WrestleMania. So I don't even want the Elimination Chamber is Sunday. Blah blah blah. But um, that, that's all I really want to get to on, on wrestling because we got other topics. Uh, unless you want anything else before we take a quick break. No, no. I, I think that as far as wrestling that I can think of, I think that's enough, sir. Yeah, we'll be right back. What's up, guys? This is actress Jen Lilly telling you to tune in to Pure Gold Radio. Pure Gold brings you amazing guests, awesome interviews, and great talk radio every week. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. Hi, this is Heather Lynn, 32 Fantastic Manager Extraordinaire. Make sure and tune in every Wednesday to Pure Gold Radio Show and check out the archives at puregoldpg.com and make sure you check mine out. You might learn a thing or two from some of the biggest brains in the business. All right, well, we're back from here, Pure Gold, Thursday night, <laughs> February 22nd. Let me just say, to, uh, hold on a second. Hold ahead. on. Let me just say that Heather Lynn promo. I haven't talked to Heather in years. She hasn't been on the show in years. You know, she was, she was cool. But that promo, oh man, that is definitely not a PG promo, sir. I just, I just gotta say, it is not <laughs> pure gold. Yeah, yeah. Being part of this board op is uh, is interesting. But uh, but anyway, since yeah, we're, I'm sure. We're, I well, uh, Kelly's doing a good job tonight producing the show. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get into sports yet because uh, we could finish the show with sports. So let's get right into uh, talk radio and WFAN. So oh, here we go. Part, the first, um, I guess, marker of the CMB show is out, and the ratings aren't that great. And you're telling me off the air that ratings across the board on every station is not that great. But again, let's focus in on CMB. The fact that they're, this, they're the program, the geniuses at the WFAN, the, the Hedwigs, uh, Mark Chernoff, and whoever else, Spitz, decide that CMB. Do you is mean the big wigs? I mean, what the heck? What the heck are the Hedwigs? The Hedwigs. You know what I'm saying? Huh? You know what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah, so the, the rings aren't that great. And again, the rings are not that great across the board, but I, I listen to WFAN. I don't listen to anything else. So CMB, I gave it a month. Maybe I should give it more, but I, I, I can't. I mean, maybe I'm being I'm being too hard on them. But have you listened to it regularly? Show, or, or what if, have you actually checked it out? I don't know. I, I listen from 2 to 2.30, I listen to it because that's to me the the most important part of a show is the opening, the first twenty minutes, first thirty minutes, and it's just to me it's just a vanilla show that it's just another show. It's not controversial. It's it's only controversial because they they force they try to force things down your throat with Bart Scott trying to like baseball when sometimes he doesn't even talk for about he doesn't talk on the air for about twenty five minutes sometimes when they're talking about Mets baseball. So to me the show is not working right now and it's only been a month I know. But they're already having ratings. The ratings are down. So tell me if you actually listen to the show. Um, I, I mean, considering where I live, I don't listen to it. I'd rather listen to something else, anything. I'd rather listen to, you know, uh, Paint Dry. But, you know, when it comes to this show, we always said that it was going to be a problem. A three-man booth is not a good idea to me, you know. And, and when you have one of the one of your three people who doesn't know anything about sports, uh, excuse me, doesn't know anything about baseball and doesn't like baseball. New York is a major baseball town. Baseball is a year-round sport, you know, with all the, all the moves and stuff the Mets have done. I mean, it makes for good talk radio, if nothing else. The Yankees with Stanton and everything, you know, all that stuff makes for good talk radio. But if you don't like baseball, you, you can't, 
it's like being in a hockey town and not liking hockey. It just does not work. You can't have your main show on the main station in sports in New York, and, and one of your hosts doesn't like a sport, doesn't like the sport. You know, and the problem with Maggie, Maggie is like a Buffalo girl, so she's talking about the Bills and these teams. Uh, that that doesn't fly in New York. You got to be local. You got to have local people, and I think or local flavor. And I think that's the problem. You know, from what I've heard and the complaints that I've seen and read, they, they said it sounds like any random show that could be any generic show that could be on Sirius. It's not a local show. It's not a New York show, and that's the problem. And they're never going to be successful. Mike, say whatever you want about the sports poll, but Mike was a New York show through and through. Mike and Chris, New York show through and through. You know, all these people. Their focus has always been New York. So when you're having the New York, the top station in New York in terms of sports, and you have a generic show that's kind of middle of the road, you know, it, it doesn't work. Plus, if Bart really does disappear for 20, 30 minutes at a time and has nothing to add, that's a problem. You know, it, I think the three-person booth would work if you had Bart there just during football and, or whoever, it's, you know, a football person just during football, or maybe Maggie wasn't there during football, and it's just Carlin and, and Bart. And basically, Carlin is the constant. He's there all year round, but then you have him switch on and off between the other two co-hosts. I think that would probably work better than the three of them trying to talk and talk over each other and everything else. So, of course, the, we knew the ratings were going to be down because Mike wasn't there. We just didn't know how much. And I'm curious to see the first full book and how it comes out, but I think they're like – they dropped to, like, fifth place or something. Yeah, I mean, maybe they expected it, maybe they didn't expect it, but, again, like you said, Mike, was to me, was a good listen because he was controversial. He made, you know, outlandish remarks, and he was, like, you know, he was terrible, <laughs> he to, was the, terrible to the callers. He, he was <laughs> a total jerk. Loved. I mean, yeah, which I loved. I mean, I like that kind of stuff. And I even for the scumbag that he was, before we found out what, how big of a scumbag he was, <laughs> I used to like to listen to Craig Carnes oh, too. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> too bad he's a guy that's a felon. I know you love Craig <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I even I, I can't even get into the morning show anymore. Geo and Boomer, another vanilla show. To me, it's just you know. And I, I like I like Geo. He was a guest of ours, if you remember. But he, I, I've always liked Geo. Always been a fan of his. Yeah. Gio, Salicata, I mean, uh, there's so many guys that we had on the show that have now their own show and have made it. Um, oh, Salicata, uh, you know where Sal can go. <laughs> GTH, I know, I know. So, I mean, there's, I guess there's not much more to talk about the, on WFN. We, 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 we know that the ratings are bad. I don't know how bad they're going to get. Maybe they'll recover. Um, but like you said, baseball season is, is, is about to get underway, right, in about a month or so. And yeah. Mark Scott, who is from Detroit, Chris Carlin, I guess you could say he's from here, but he's been in Philadelphia for the last couple of years. And Maggie talks about Buffalo, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't need to listen to them to break down a Met game or a Yankee game. And I guess that's where we should go next is that the spring training is underway. And the Mets, for, you know, say what you will about the Mets, they have, the, they have made the most moves in the off season albeit not the greatest moves, but they have made moves that are decent and cost-effective and, you know, just typical Mets moves that, not typical Mets moves, but moves that uh, make sense and have been not costing much. So give me your take, I guess, on Frazier and, um, you know, bringing Bruce back. Uh, just those two well, guys first. Here's my, here's my hot take on the whole thing. 
you know, yes, Sandy hasn't broken the. This is this is kind of like twofold. To me, it's absolutely impressive the fact that Sandy has not broken the bank. And he, and I know a lot of people would disagree. Oh, he's cheap. He's this. He's that. But he waited the market out. He played the market. And honestly, I think it's been perfect. He got Jay Bruce for a lot less money than he thought he would. A lot less money than Carlos Santana. If you look at their numbers, Bruce has better numbers than Santana, and he's making about half as much money, which is insane to me. Almost half as much. I think Santana got three years, sixty million. Bruce got like three years, thirty-nine. So twenty-one million dollars less, which is insane to me. Todd Frazier for eight and a half million. The guy can hit forty home runs. You know, he's already played in New York. He did really well. Him and Bruce are, are really good friends. Going back to um, you know, uh, going back to Cincinnati. That's gonna help. They're both good clubhouse guys. Both good clubhouse leaders. I, we finally have a legit third baseman, a guy who's really good defensively. So I like to hear that. Um, you know, Jason Vargas, you look at his numbers, and, yeah, he had a rough second half of the year, but he also finished strong. He had a great first half. You know, he was an all-star. He he led the league, led the majors in wins last year, tied for it with a couple other guys. But a solid move. He is a lefty. Hopefully he'll be able to stay healthy. And considering that Stephen Matz is never healthy, I don't think it's a bad thing to have him there. And to me, you know, you look at these moves, Anthony Swarzak hopefully will be good in the pen. But, I, honestly, I think Sandy made some really good moves some solid moves, and I think the Mets are a much better team now than they were well, a month ago or, or whatever before they signed Bruce. And they've been busier than everybody in this offseason. And, yeah, again, they didn't break the bank. But th- to me it's impressive that Sandy was able to make that many moves to make that impact basically and really not cost much. That's the part that really gets me, sir. Now uh, give me your take on that. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I mean, they they got Frazier and they got Bruce. They brought him back, and they made moves that they improved. Like you said, they didn't break the bank. What's interesting is I'm going to sound like a total hypocrite now, but like looking back at at signing Cespedes to a major contract, um, I don't I don't know if I would have done that. Like considering the guy's so injury prone now. Um, and again, that, that sounds very hypocritical, and you can't play armchair quarterback to this, but. You could really open your bank, uh, the pocketbook, um, for Bruce Harper, for example. Um, Bryce Harper. Bruce Harper. Um, <laughs> Bryce Harper. <laughs> uh, you know, the guy that's a legitimate MVP of a league uh, like him. Um, but the, like you said, the Mets have made moves that improve the team. And obviously, they can make all these little moves here and there. But the, like any team, you're going to be as good as your starting pitching. And whether you like him or you hate him, I feel like this is the year – that uh, obviously I think this is Matt Harvey's last year as a Met. Even if he succeeds, I think he's going to want to leave. And if he doesn't succeed, obviously his career is over. So I think you're playing with, I don't know, house money with him if he has a good year. And I think that you're going to have a good year out of DeGrom and Syndergaard. Those those freak injuries that you had last year are not going to happen again. And if they do happen again this year, then the Mets are truly cursed. Because if you look at all the injuries that happened last year to the Mets, no, no, no other team would ever have those type of injuries, let alone have them back-to-back years. So I think that the Mets are going to have a good year just because I think their starting pitching are, is going to have a good year, not because they got Frazier or because they got, you know, Jay Bruce. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see about that, sir. Uh, are you 
Are you thrilled for the fact that they're not going to have a, a legitimate closer and go closer by committee? I think that this guy, why can't I think of his name, Mickey, uh, the new manager of the Mets, is going to try to incorporate the same thing he did, what they did in the, uh, with the Cleveland Indians, where they had closer by committee. I don't know if that always works, to be honest with you. I don't know if it always works either, but I guess you got to trust Mickey Callaway because he is a pitching guru. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Do you, do you, I mean, from what – I mean, Mickey hasn't managed a game in his career yet, uh, in his life. Um, this is going to be his first job as a manager. And your homes? Do you like – at your homes. Do you get a good vibe from him? I think from what I get – I know people joke around with him. I, I get this feeling that he's going to coddle them, and I don't know if – Coddling a baseball team is the right way to manage the team. So I'm not exactly thrilled with his mentality. I mean, I don't know about you, but you could let me know what you think. I mean, I I don't know about um <laughs> I don't know about coddling them. I mean, you know what, what, what are you what are you doing, sir? What, what are you talking about here? He sounds like you know he's my favorite thing about the show, like sir. He, my favorite thing about the like show is the fact that. Did I say that again? No, he sounds like an ordained minister that he's going to just bring a lot of love to the team and he's going to talk about God and Christ and, you know, oh, that's, gee, that's going to help it. them win the baseball games. You know what's awesome? What I love about this show is the fact is I can literally I can go to the toilet, I can go to the bathroom, I can make a sandwich, I can do all these different things. And I don't even think the fans out there, all the millions and millions of people listening, have any clue what's going on. I mean, you could be taking a nap, you could be hanging upside down, you could be doing, you know, backflips on a treadmill, and nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes of PG. But anyway, sir, I, I mean, like I said, we'll have to wait and see. Dave Brown's a good pitching guy. Mickey Cowley's a good pitching guy. I think they're going to be pitching focused, which is a good thing, and they're not going to destroy the bullpen like uh, your boy Terry Collins did. So I'm just glad that Terry's gone. That's the most important thing for me. All right. I mean, and then on the other side, you got the evil empire that's back because last year they ended up being, for some reason, they ended up being the lovable Yankees because nobody expected them to be there, and they had good, uh, they had the greatest, probably the best bullpen in the majors. Now they added John Carl Stanton, and they got you know Judge and Stanton, uh, the Bash Brothers, I guess, version 2018 uh, in the Bronx. And their, their lineup from top to bottom, if you look at it, is going to be a really good lineup. I mean, I don't see why they're, they're not going to be a good team this year. Um, but, again, their starting pitching, to me, is not the greatest. Their bullpen well, is I mean, really good again. They're favorite to win the World Series, sir. I mean, a bunch of people are picking them to win the World Series, so we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, the, the thing is, the, the rotation is important. Like you said about the Mets, I look at them, and if everybody stays healthy, the Mets can be good. That's not going to happen, especially not Mets. So we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, in terms of the Yankees, I mean, if they have a good pen, you know, maybe bring Mariana out of retirement or whatever the case is, I think they can do some damage. And I think the odds are they're probably going to win the American League East, at the very least. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't discount the Boston Red Sox because I think they have a really good team too. Um, the, I think the Cleveland Indians are going to be good again this year because, um, you know, because of their pen and, and what they could bring to the table. So, you know, baseball no is again about like a month. Do. Yeah, well, baseball is about a month away and. We'll, we'll see where that goes because we still got uh, pretty much the month of March to get through spring training and uh, hopefully everyone yeah, comes through healthy. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got to come through healthy. But I want to take, for some reason, I want I want to play this clip here while you flush the toilet um, because I want to see what your take was on the Mets about five years ago. I'm actually eating string cheese right now. Oh, perfect. As we sit here on the second day of the baseball season, 
I'm want to reflect on opening day. Now, the New York Mets, of course, as they always do, they kick some serious butt on the 1st of April. They kick some serious butt to start out the season. Why? Because the Mets realize that opening day is their day. I was looking at some stats the other day. As a matter of fact, the Mets are... They they have a they had a record back in the I think it was the early mid 70s early 80s they ended up like uh, 16 or 17 wins out of 19 seasons unbelievable to start the season and the Mets are such a good team on opening day because they want to give their fans something to root for they want to they want to use their their power so to speak to suck the fans in because they know that on opening day people are going to go to see the Mets they're going to go to City Field like they used to go to Shea Stadium as I'm outside here in Florida and there's some animals screaming I have no idea what's going on but aside from that folks I digress when you look at the New York Mets this was smoke and mirrors. I was talking to my co-host the other day, and I was telling him, you know, I don't think that we're negative, per se. People can look at us, you know, there's Mets fans out there who are just thinking to themselves, man, the Mets are going to be great. The Mets this, the Mets that. Colin Cowgill is going to be awesome. Let me tell you something about Colin Cowgill. Colin Cowgill is a career 26th man in baseball. He hit the cheapest Grand Slam I've ever seen in my entire life, right above the orange. I could have... Wow. I mean, talk about negative. That was about five years ago. <laughs> I was just laughing. I'm like, you know, what you with the New York Mets? This is all smoke and mirrors. I mean, that's a rant. That That's an epic rant that could have gone on for like 20 minutes, which it probably did, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it's funny because I did that show. I did that show. I think I was at a funeral, if I'm not mistaken, and I was literally doing that. Because I wanted to, I'm such an egomaniac that I wanted to make sure that I was on every single episode of this show. To date, I'm the only person in the British lady who has appeared on every single episode of Pure Gold in some way, shape, or form. 209 episodes, I've been in every one. I think you missed one or two, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, I did that just because I had to. I had to make sure that I was a part of the show in some way, shape, or form. Damn, talk about egomaniac. I mean, yeah, I guess you did have to be on every show, but I wanted to see that clip and just to get your take on the Mets five years ago. So that was a, that was on April third. <laughs> that was a good it might take. Have been like the day after, yeah, it might have been the day after WrestleMania or something like that that you uh gave us a, a Mets take for the season. But uh so, oh, speaking of anyway, WrestleMania, did you know that the, that yeah. uh, rumors of the um next year's WrestleMania is gonna be once again in your backyard? Oh, it's gonna be at MetLife again? Yeah, and hopefully this time we'll, we'll be able to get tickets and we'll be able to get backstage passes. <laughs> I remember we were yeah. so pumped and we were like, oh, man, we're going to be there and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, that didn't work out. And if I'm not mistaken, you know what? That was the same exact weekend that you just played because I was in Florida and I came back, I think, Saturday or something. I came back to try to make it that Sunday and I couldn't. So I remember that was that was a big thing. I was trying to make it back in time to go because you couldn't go for some reason. Yeah, I mean that that sounds about right. I mean it was it was 2013, and that's the year that the I think the Broncos played the Seahawks at MetLife. I think that was WrestleMania, and I think you're right. I think uh, you were. I don't think you were at a funeral though in Florida. I thought you were just visiting family at the time. To be no, honest with you, I don't no, think I was. I was in a, if I'm yeah, if I'm not mistaken, my 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 father-in-law passed away that um that week. Oh. So yeah, 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 because uh, my oldest was little. And the, the the middle one now the middle one wasn't even a a thought in in her mother in her mama's womb or maybe she was pregnant I'm not mistaken I think she may have been pregnant you know because I have like nine kids but anyway um 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's that's what that weekend was, and it was a it was a funeral weekend, which is sad that that's what I was doing. I was you know sending clips to you so you can play it on the air because I had to appear on the show, you know, while while people are mourning. But that's a whole other story. Gotcha. All right, so we got about nine minutes left, and I just you know to that's close out long. the NFL season. Yeah, to close out the NFL season. I mean, the the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. They made this incredible run. I feel throughout the year. And they actually won the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. I'll be I honest with you. Believe it. Yeah, as a Jets fan, I was rooting for the Patriots because here's why I was rooting for the Patriots. Wait, you were rooting for the Patriots? For the Patriots? Because, I never thought I'd hear that. Yeah, I was, and here's why: the Philadelphia Eagles with a backup quarterback won the Super Bowl. So that tells me that as a Jet fan, a long-suffering Jet fan, why can't I ever get one of those one-time runs? As a as a Jeff fan and make a run and win the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not a giant fan. I, I mean, I'm not blessed with with four Super Bowl rings like you are. So the reason, the fact that I, I watched the Philadelphia Eagles with a backup quarterback beat the Patriots, um, was just made me sick. I mean, it really made me sick to see them win the Super Bowl uh, with a backup quarterback. And now they're Super Bowl champions. I know they're in your division, but I don't expect them to be back next year. I think football's a a year to year thing. Um, and it'd be interesting to Unless see what happens Patriots. in the off season. What'd you say? Unless you're the Patriots, who seem to go to the Super Bowl every year. Well, that's how weak the AFC is. I mean, uh, the NFC is so stacked right now. You got so many good teams. Aaron Rodgers is going to be back next year, and you know, you got a bunch of teams that really just are well, really superior to the AFC. What's interesting to me, right, is this whole thing with the Eagles. And, of course, I hate the fact that the Eagles won. It bothers me that now the NFC East is the only division in football that every team has won at least one Super Bowl. That pisses me off. But what pisses me off the most, other than the fact that I can no longer mock Eagles fans over not winning any Super Bowls, is the fact that the Eagles defeated Tom Brady. The Giants were the only team that had that had beaten Brady in the big game, and now it's basically Brady can't beat the NFC East, which that's not that doesn't carry the same weight. It totally takes away from the Giants' Super Bowl wins. I mean, the 18 and 0, that win was great. You know, they're both awesome wins, but the fact is, it's not as special. Anyway, I digress. Looking at the Eagles winning, I, I feel you know who I feel bad for. I feel bad for Carson Wentz because now he, he basically led them to the Super Bowl, and then Nick Foles took the credit because you know Carson got injured in the playoffs. Playoffs? Are you talking about playoffs? All right. So anything Carson Wentz does from here on in to me is going to be a disappointment because Nick Foles is the guy who won the Super Bowl, not Carson Wentz. Even though Carson did most of the heavy lifting to get them there, so they're not going to win another Super Bowl. They probably won't ever win another Super Bowl again, but they're definitely not going to win one anytime soon. So you're going to go from the high of winning the Super Bowl with the backup quarterback, as you said, 30 times in your little rant, and now you're going to bring your starting quarterback that you're going to pay eventually pay a million dollars to zillions and zillions of billions and billions of dollars, and you're not going to win. So isn't that going to be disappointing? Isn't the Eagles fan base going to turn on Wentz because of the fact that he's not going to be able to deliver a Super Bowl ring like the inferior Nick Foles was able to do? Oh, yeah, that's that's definitely the – I guess the the bad side of it, but as a fan, as a fan that's never won a Super Bowl uh, before, I mean they've got to be ecstatic, and I think that this one's going to last for at least three or four years, maybe five years. And I, I get your point, uh, but just remember that Wentz is out for at least the first five or six games next year, so Foles will be your quarterback, and then the controversy will begin after uh, Wentz is healthy. Like who? Like it'll depend on if the the Eagles are like two and four. After six weeks, then you know that Wentz will come back in. I think that Foles 
if he was smart, he'd, he'd want either a new contract or want to be traded because this is the time to make the money uh, coming off of the Super Bowl MVP. He needs to uh, cash in now as opposed to later. So that's the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't want to even talk about them with the last five minutes. I want to talk about the fact that the Giants had an awful season this year and they have the number two pick. The question is now, sir, do, do, the, NFL, do, do the Giants go and try to draft another franchise quarterback because Eli Manning, let's face it, maybe has a year or two left in his career before he's washed up, if he's not already washed up. So the question is, do the Giants try to get a franchise quarterback through the draft I think, or do they try that sir, through, the, through free agency next year? See, to me, I think you have to. This is a rare opportunity for the Giants. In my lifetime, I can't remember the Giants having had such a terrible year. So to me, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to draft a franchise quarterback, whether it's, you know, Baker Mayfield, whether it's Sam Darnold, whoever the case is, the Giants have to draft a their future quarterback. It's not going to be Davis Webb. It's not going to be Geno Smith. It's not going to be the Sanchez. They need desperately to find that guy who's going to take over for Eli. And I think this is a rare opportunity to do it, so the Giants cannot, I repeat, they cannot pass it up, sir. So you're a firm believer that the Giants should draft a quarterback and not – uh, draft anyone else besides a quarterback. When you have a number two pick in the draft, I don't see how you can draft anyone but the quarterback unless you just drafted the quarterback last year. Now, if you're the Eagles and you have the number two pick, you have Carson Wentz, you don't need a quarterback. You're yeah. not going to draft a quarterback. But the Giants need somebody like that who's going to carry them for the next 10, 15 years the way that Eli Manning has done. So to me, that's kind of your – if they do – to me, if the Giants do anything but get a quarterback, it's going to be an insane disappointment, sir. No, I agree. The Giants definitely need a quarterback, and they have. There's three guys in the draft that the Giants could end up with because the Cleveland Browns, with the number one pick, are probably going to take one of those three quarterbacks and go with them. And then the Giants will have two quarterbacks to decide between. I think they need to draft a quarterback because on the other, on the flip side, the other team in New York, the New York Jets. Um, also need a quarterback, and the fact that they're entertaining trying to get this Kirk Cousins for max money, which means that they would pay him the most you could pay for a quarterback uh, under the salary cap, is to me is ridiculous because I'm not a big fan of Kirk Cousins. Everyone thinks that he could be the franchise quarterback for the Jets, but if that's the case, why did the Washington Redskins not want him anymore? Why did they trade for Alex Smith? So to me... <laughs> The, the Washington Redskins right. are not a good team, so they got rid of Kirk Cousins. Why, why would the Jets want to fall in love with the guy that even the Redskins wouldn't want? So uh, that's where I'm confused. So I think the Jets need to get a quarterback through the draft too. Oh, where are the Jets picking, sir? What's their what's their pick? I believe they're picking eighth or ninth. So well, that, I mean, you think you think at that that uh, slot they could get a good uh, franchise quarterback? I mean. I hate to I hate to use this analogy, but you know Tom Brady was not you know drafted in the first round. I believe he was drafted in the sixth round. I, I didn't even know that. Yeah, the he, was like the he was like the four hundred and fortieth <laughs> pick. He's he was basically the Mike Piazza of his generation. Right. I didn't even know the NFL draft goes to six rounds. That's how bad it is. I thought that the NFL draft only had three or four rounds, but apparently it had six rounds or seven rounds, whatever. So um, the the Jets and Giants this season. More so the Giants because of the, the the fact that they have the number two pick will will define how they're going to be for over the next five to ten years. So Eli Manning got you two Super Bowls. 
I don't want to say Eli did it on his own because it was the defense that really no, did it. No, the first you know. one for sure he didn't. He got that um he got that MVP because he just had to give it to somebody, but I mean to yeah. me he definitely was a big part of the second one for sure. And you know, hell, he's got two Super Bowl rings. You know, and he was more a part of his Super Bowls than his brother was with his two. So, I mean, let's be real about that. As much as I love Peyton Manning, uh, who, by the way, if we can talk about that for a second, explain to me why Fox and the ESPN are fighting. And talking, I've, I've heard they're talking about offering him $6 million a year to be an analyst. Who's going to watch – and I love Peyton, but, and I'm sure he'll be insightful. Who's going to watch Fox because Peyton Manning is an analyst? I mean, who's sitting there saying, oh, i got to watch this, I have to watch this, you know, I have to watch this pregame show or postgame show, whatever the hell it is, to hear this guy talk. And if he's going to be doing the games like Tony Romo is doing, then, I mean, really, people are going to watch football because it's football. They're not going to watch it, at least my opinion, because Peyton Manning is calling the damn game. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're thinking either. I think that Peyton Manning does bring, uh, just like Tony Romo brought in some viewers this year, I guess to CBS a little bit more, but you're right, uh, Peyton Manning is not going to is not going to increase your ratings so much that you know you definitely need him. So six I million dollars—that's that. what I'm saying. You're going <laughs> to you're going to fork over six million bucks for paying to talk yeah. football. I mean, come on. And as my computer has died, I don't know how to end the show now <laughs> that uh, my my laptop has died. So. <laughs> well, I think I if we hang up. <laughs> I think if we <laughs> hang up, why don't you get your charger, you freak? Yeah, uh, it's somewhere. I can. I don't know where it is. Um, uh, that's all I got for today. So I, I know that uh, in the next couple of weeks or so, you were telling me that potentially Nikki Boyer might be coming back on the show again. Yeah, potentially. Actually, uh, Nikki Boyer might come on the show, and uh, Morgan Woolard, aka now known as Morgan Morris, t- uh, she and I have talked, and there's a good chance that she'll be back on the show too. So you know, I gotta, I gotta see if I can get her to to set some records of, of both of them for being the the longest continuous guest on my show. There you go. So is there anything else that you want to uh, mention before we close out the show officially? Um, um, I don't know. I can't really think of anything. I mean, is there something? Uh, there's nothing else for us to talk about? Uh, are you saying that sarcastically? Did I forget one main topic that I didn't bring up yet? I don't know. I think I, I think we covered everything, but I think you're setting me up for something. <laughs> No, I, I'm not, I would never. I would never set you up. The only thing I ever set you up is is for failure. But anyways, I mean, if there's nothing else to talk about, then you know we we did it. I think this is the fourth month in a row that we've done a show, so I, I wanted to make sure that we got this show down pat because I needed for us to be able to say that we did a show in February because we've been January, December, you know, uh, November. We, we've been we've been pretty regular with doing shows once in a blue moon. <laughs> Oh, baby. Well, there you well, go. sir, listen, oh. it's been a pleasure. Folks, for those of you out there listening, uh, it's been a pleasure of yours, of course. So uh, I, I, let, let me just play this right here before we close out. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. You guys are awesome. Ooh. Yes, we are. Sir, have a good night. Have a good night. Folks, see ya.